0: movie boy, ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. Two movie boys, ah uh, ah uh. uh. Hello.
1: Hello. <laughs> Did
0: you get that or not? I, it's it's the count. <laughs> it is the, the count who is a, a vampire. A nominally. vampire and kind of kind, kind ostensibly, <laughs> and that's thematic because I, I couldn't think of anything
2: else. Mathematical, mathematical, counting. Math- the- oh, oh whoa! What, what did I just do there? You're breaking all the rules today.
0: <laughs> Far too many rules, and they all need breaking. Uh, like C- Cliff Blazinski's new game, Lawbreakers. So that's apparently it's called Lawbreakers. Well,
2: there's nothing hipster about that, I'm sure.
0: No, no, no. Highly mainstream. Uh, we do, we we love Cliff here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 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 all right. Uh, yeah. Welcome. To the spin-off, Doctors. I'm your host, Jim Sterling, and I'm joined by the other host, Conrad Zimmerman. Hello! Hello! Today, if you couldn't tell from our distinctly spooky intro, uh, we're doing a movie about vampires today. Well, specifically a movie about a vampire, uh, Blood Rain! We're doing the Uwe Boll Classic Blood Rain based on the Majesco Classic PS2 game. And until this morning, I'd forgotten that Majesco was a company.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: they were weren't they they like were wa- they were a company it yeah. wasn't some weird fever dream we all had it, no. it, they were a real company for a time so that's fun i once was in a, a bar in japan with uh, some of the developers of blood rain uh, really? from terminal reality yeah uh, they were telling us uh, weird facts about terminal reality and blood rain all of which i've forgotten now um because it was Japan, and it was Japan was one of the worst weeks of my life, and it, nothing against the country. It was just uh, covering Tokyo Game Show, and it was horrible.
2: Well, for you weren't me. prepared. You weren't prepared for the walking.
0: Well, I wasn't prepared for any of it. It was yeah. my first um, event, so I overdid it, and I didn't sleep, mm-hmm. uh, and ended up um, being Which that's, that's
2: Brutal when you're doing a, you know, <laughs> yeah, crossing oceans to do it.
0: Crossing oceans to do it. Um, yeah, uh, uh, stayed awake for like more than 30 hours oh. and then was escorted by someone from Tecmo Kobe who could see that I was on well. <laughs> escorted to a uh, back somewhere where all the booth babes were getting dressed and I just fell asleep among them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was, that was my first event and that, that was the place where I ended up with a blister on my foot the size of a ping pong ball, which I will not... Recount the story here, uh, because this is a classy show, right. and I'll save it for Podquisition, where we talk about wanking into piles of sick or whatever. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, this is the, the podcast where we talk about uh, movies, s- mainly, uh, spin-off material, uh, extra media that comes off the back of video games uh, as an industry and as an art form and this week we are doing Blood Rain. Blood Rain is um, back when I would use the term guilty pleasure. Um, I don't these days because I'm not guilty about anything, uh, at least any of my pleasures, Uh, but Blood Rain was the game I'd, I'd go to if someone were to ask like what's What's your idea of a guilty pleasure game? What game is your guilty pleasure? And the first Blood Rain for uh, PS2, which I got for like £3 or something from an HMV, it was on sale, uh, and I just picked it up because it was cheap. And that, that's how I used to buy games back in the day, uh, because I was um, you know, on the poverty line. Uh, if it was cheap, I'd buy it. So I did, and was pleasantly surprised. It's not a good game. Blood Rain isn't a good game. Um, it's not particularly well made. It's very messy. Um... It's quite salacious, which is about all... It, it, it's big selling point is the fact that um, the titular rain leaps onto Nazis and wraps her arms and legs around them and starts sucking on their neck, going, uh, 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 like that, uh, while the Germans were like, get her off me! Get her off me! And she's all, ah uh, uh, like she's loving it. ah uh, like that. And that was
2: fun. Yeah, and I... I didn't play it. Like, it, you know, I... I was, I would, it, conceptually it sounds really interesting, right? Sure, I mean, sure. it throws together lots of my favorite things, undead and Nazis and, yeah, that's it. That's but all that, you need. That's really all you need, right? That's all yeah, the growing that's, boy needs. It's why yeah. Wolfenstein worked so well. Indeed. And, um, so, but, but I didn't, I heard it wasn't great, and, uh... I think this would have been, like, what, 2002, 2003, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I think I was, at that point, Salacious wasn't quite enough to justify a purchase. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, I was was in much the same position you were, where I was was picking up, you know, $5 games or things of that ilk, Um, anything that was on sale I would play. Uh, and i had it was particularly dangerous cuz i was working in a used game shop at like a used video game store a mm-hmm. little family owned outfit uh, and that was nasty because i was i was just buying you know i'd go home with with six nes games you know <laughs> that i bought for 15 bucks on discount yeah and i mean, just piles of this crap so it was a really dangerous time to be poor but blood rain just never managed to i think it always looked kind of dopey and then i went back and looked at screenshots cuz i after having watched the movie here for this i was like i how was the game like how was that <laughs> and i i went to the steam page and i looked at the screenshots and like the character model and it's strangely elongated form as yeah, it's doing a yeah. flip in the air i was like I'm not normally one of those guys who looks at an old game and says, "ew," right. Yeah. Cause you know, lots of those games are good in spite of, or in some, in some cases because of how they look. But I looked at that and I was just like, I bristled. Like I felt my testicles mm. recede into my body and I went to do something else.
0: Time has not been kind to, to the game, but it wasn't doing itself any favors either. Uh, I mean, even for its time, it was it was it was cheap. I was going to say cheap and cheerful, but it wasn't very cheerful. Oh, it was a Majesco um, game. It was a Majesco, yeah. It was a Majesco game, and yeah, the character models are strangely elongated. Um, human proportions are not something the game really did right. Uh, the levels were weird; they were just like huge, big, almost empty rooms. Um, character design, uh, artistic design, was all over the place. Uh, it was not, it was not a pretty game even back in the day. And it was also very sloppy, like it was very sloppily made.
2: It it had a kind of a Max Payne type gameplay, right? Kind of,
0: kind of. Yeah. I mean, it was like, imagine Max Payne, but like with, cause I mean, Max Payne itself wasn't the tightest game. No, it certainly wasn't. Imagine all the bolts holding that together had been like, like loosened, I'd say about like, a few more rotations. Oh, good. So it was really clanking. It was like a like a 50-year-old a jalopy that had never been serviced, uh, just trundling along and clanking. Um, I replayed it, um, a, a vast chunk of it, a couple of years ago um, and recorded it. Never never did get around to finishing it because I never get around to finishing any of the series I start. And, yeah, not aged great. Uh, the combat system is, I mean, it's a mess. Like, you run into the nazis at mashing buttons and watching their arms and legs fall off you know there is there are guns uh, s- s- that you can use temporarily but the shooting is uh, again it's it's max pain but with uh, none of that game's refinement and let that <laughs> let that sentence speak for itself <laughs> uh, and yet i get this uh, strange sense of joy from it um, in all but one level which was a mech based level uh, and I remember when I was a kid, um, well, when I was a kid, when I was a lot younger, shall we say, um, playing the mech-based level more times than I think I've ever played a level in my life in any game, uh, because it was so difficult, and not because it was designed difficult, it was just so badly designed. Like, from what I recall, because um, I've, I've never played that level again, and I, I, I God willing, I never will... Um, like There was nothing you could do to stop yourself getting shot. You were this huge big mech and gun turrets and shit were just aimed at you constantly. And it was pure luck and that's how I beat it. You just have to run through hoping you don't get shot. Which is a problem I have with a lot of mechs in games. You spend ages waiting to get into the mech and realise... that And same with a lot of gun turrets. All it does is make you more vulnerable.
2: <laughs> yes. That's been my experience as well. Like, can you not uh, just
0: like put us in a mech and let us be like like really powerful for a bit?
2: Yeah, I mean like, you that's can, the you can, idea,
0: that's the guiding principle of
1: it,
2: right? You can wall that off, you can limit that use, prevent constant access to that capability. Sure, why not? But if you're going to give us some opportunity to where we should feel like a badass, for God's sake, let us be the badass for a little exactly. bit. Exactly, Killzone
0: that's... Two did it, Fear Two did it. Uh, you just you get into a big fucking mech, expecting to tear the you know the roof off the place, and you all it does is expand your hitbox by a hundred times. Um, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, that level was awful, and the game itself is like if you look at it and scientifically look at it, you say that is like awful. But of course, you know uh, opinions are not objective, and therefore there is something utterly. Utterly fucking stupid about that game That I've never been able to not find uh, charming And I I, I know charming's an overused word And I I, I shouldn't use it And I I wouldn't if I'd have pre-planned what I was going to say But it is a very endearing game And just utterly fucking stupid And doesn't take itself seriously Uh, it, It knows it's kind of still latching on to the last vestiges of nineties edginess, mm-hmm. uh, and he's kind of very unashamed about it. Uh, and none of that, none of that is actually carried through into Ufa um, Boll's version. No, which is completely very serious, different. Very dour, very straight faced, very po faced. Despite despite the cast, uh, which we you know we will get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a, a surprisingly strong cast. I, I not yeah. In, Not from a a, a case of how did they get all these celebrities. Because you can get Billy Zane and Ben Kingsley for a song, more or less.
2: I'm just... The man played
0: Gandhi. I know. That's what I I love about him. I don't understand. He got his one big breakout, this role will be remembered forever role. And then it's like, do I need to have any more integrity? That'll do me.
2: Well, and then he gets knighted in 2002. Yeah. And, and, and after that point, it's like it's a validation of all the crap he'd been doing for years. Yeah. You know? Like, okay, sure. He did Sexy Beast, and that was tremendously successful, and and a, a, a an acclaimed film, and he gets a lot of credit for that. But then, you know, I mean, there was a whole lot of just crap in between that. And I love... Sneakers, okay. Sneakers is a fun movie, but it's crap, and Ben Kingsley should have more dignity than to be in it. I know. I'm actually trying
0: to look up. I once wrote a story about Ben Kingsley. Um, I, I don't think I can find it. It was an old, destructive article. It was a long, long time ago, um, but it was something Ben Kingsley did address. He did actually address the uh, his role in Blood Rain. Uh, I think it was some sort of regret, some sort of admittance that really? it was just for the money or something. Like, well, he really, duh, yeah. But, but he was. I, I wish I could find it, but I, I've but, been unable to dig into it. But he did uh, kind of uh, actually address it. He's a knight
2: it. of the realm, Jim. <laughs> he is. Look how far your empire has fallen. <laughs> Witness and despair.
0: Yeah. I mean it's a, it's a good, good 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 job that I've I've got no uh, respect for the monarchy and knighthood and all of that and I actually am delighted at how far the country's fallen. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think the the British Empire's downfall began with Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. <laughs> in this film in particular. Uh, there is nothing Ben Kingsley won't do for the paycheck. Yeah, I think that's I do clear. kind of it's him and Eric Idle uh, he's he's another one. Just if the money's right, they'll do anything. Yep. It's a bit different than say Christopher Walken, who will also do anything, but that's just because he loves performing.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: he'll do anything for the actual art for it. Um, even if it's shit, he just he loves getting in front of the camera. Um, but no, someone like Kingsley, it's it's purely mercenary, and I. I kind of respect both approaches. I'll res- I, Willem Dafoe is another one who seems like just game for a laugh. Like, yeah. he, he he doesn't have, you know, quote-unquote, integrity. And I don't mean that insultingly. <laughs> I, I honestly mean it's like, he's not up his own arse. He's not, I'm better than this. Um, but Ben Kingsley, he really is uh, kind of the forefather of a lot of that, of just this. It it, it doesn't matter. I, I was Gandhi. I can do what I want.
2: That is about the... That's about the size of it, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and what he did was blood rain uh, alongside Billy Zane and uh, Christina Michael Logan Madsen. And Michael Madsen and Meatloaf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um, who else?
0: It's, it's Michelle Rodriguez.
2: Michelle Rodriguez yeah, is in yeah. there. And um, there's another guy who... Uh, I, I you see him a lot in these sort of crappy uh, sci-fi or horror movies. Uh, Udo Kier, uh, he's a German guy, and you recognize him right away. He's in all this stuff. He's always good, even though he always seems to play the same kind of serious character. Yeah. I don't know. He's, he's, he's a dude I like to see. I'm always happy with him. But mm-hmm. uh, Billy Zane was involved in the production of this as well. Good for him. Yeah, well, great for him. He loved working with Uwe Boll, and then Uwe Boll sued him uh, sometime later for Roy uh, for for unreceived payment or revenue oh, owed or something. Yeah, uh, fa-
0: yeah. That's the thing. The the problem <coughs> with Uwe Boll is he's uh, a complete foreskin of a man. <laughs> I mean, because we, we we talked about him last with uh, House of the Debt, right? And I did fail to mention just how. Uh, just how racist and horrible he has become, or at least shown himself to be uh, in recent years. Um, in fact, I highly recommend uh, people look through the YouTube channel, where he will say some pretty outrageous things. Uh, his opinion on Jennifer Lopez in particular uh, is um, quite... quite an example for connoisseurs of the offensive...
2: I the last time I saw anything of his was a rant he had done on YouTube about how he was uh, going to um, quit crowd quit fun- I don't know he was crowdfunding a, uh, a movie that that wasn't going yes. anywhere yes and, his Kickstarter
0: and fell apart and he went off the reservation I,
2: I forget it. exactly who he was like fuck you to but he was he was a big fuck you to someone and. It was. It, it just, he seemed, I don't know, but unhinged, but really just not altogether a person. Like I, I would never want to do business with that guy no, after having no. seen something like that. So I, I can't, I can't. He sound is surprised. at the
0: very least deluded, at yeah. the very least, very deluded about uh, not just his ability, but his what he thinks the industry owes him. Mm-hmm. he is a very entitled man and i think you know working with someone like billy zane who apparently loved working with you and then suing him for royalties um afterwards presumably without any fucking dialogue uh, because that's how Uwe Boll rolls i mean i say presumably i don't know but uh, you know i don't i don't need more lawsuits happening in my life um <laughs> but it's just it's classic uve of, of just this man who thinks he's owed the fucking world and yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um did he win? I don't know. Uh I don't suppose it matters. I Probably think not. the the thing about Uber Bowl is Uber Bowl does something is an interesting news story, but you don't really want to care much beyond that.
2: Yeah, why follow yeah, up?
0: Yeah, why bother? Doesn't matter. Literally doesn't matter. W- much uh, like Blood Rain. Much like Blood Rain, which I guess let's move on to the plot and yeah, uh, let's do that. Yeah. So here's Blood Rain, two thousand and five.
2: So, as the credits open, we establish that this is a vampire film, with paintings depicting vampires being vampiric. Yes,
0: yes, the movie goes to great lengths throughout to remind us what vampires are, terrified we might forget at a moment's notice.
2: But you know what we don't have?
0: What don't we have?
2: We don't have any expositional voiceover.
0: That is true, that is true.
2: that's interesting, it's heartening, ultimately disappointing, because this is a kind of a stupidly complex movie with a lot of players <laughs> many and, chess
0: pieces being
2: maneuvered a little bit of background might not have been the worst thing <laughs> i normally rag on these movies for always having that that voiceover but i would have liked to have known what the fuck the brimstone society was before everything else that happens in this film
0: yeah this movie just does just sort of expect you to get it all
2: Right. It, it, it leaps right into a medieval city at night where three travelers, uh, Michael Madsen, um, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, and who's the other guy?
0: It's a, uh, what's it, Matt something? Matt? Hang on, I've got it up here. Matt Davis, Matthew Davis.
2: Matthew Davis, that's right. Um, they're seeking a bartender who has information for them, and then they scoff when he produces an advertisement for a local carnival with a, you know, she-devil freak. Now, at this point, another patron approaches the bar and orders an absinthe, which doesn't seem like a particularly, I don't know, unusual beverage to have in this joint. Ah, back in the day. Oh yeah, oh yeah, back in the day,
0: absinthe was a thing.
2: It was just everywhere.
0: It kind of um, these days has become sort of um, considered a. Was it really that?
2: Really that? I mean, I knew it wasn't like always uh, something that was considered, well, you know, the wormwood thing wasn't until later considered dangerous, but like, I thought it still wasn't like necessarily a broadly thing. People were drinking mead and, you know, whiskey wasn't developed yet, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just confused I guess. Yeah. I'm just a little confused. Absent through me, but it doesn't throw one of these travelers because he observes that this New patron observes no, ref- uh, he casts no reflection on the mirrored lamp on the bar.
0: Ah, that's gonna be a vampire, isn't that's it?
2: That's gonna be a va- just stabs him in the chest, just bang he and he immediately rots, revealing that he's a vampire. And these travelers are vampire hunters. The bartender calls them brimstone chaps or something like that. Yes,
0: yeah, he, he, he likes brimstone because they don't leave a mess.
2: Which what 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 the fuck do you call that corpse? Is that yeah, not a method? Does that not qualify? That needs cleaning. <laughs> well, you're not just gonna leave that there, right? People are just gonna hang out and continue to come to this bar. Yeah, I think with- this bar might this
0: this uh, the the barman might have thought that he was in Buffy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He'll look over the bar later and be like, ah, fuck. So the travelers ask about the woman in the advertisement. Yeah, and the scene changes to a carnival where a woman is using a pair of bladed weapons to slice candles in a performance, and then the next act is brought in, and it's a freak, which is we're introduced to as Rain. Yeah, and, and
0: may I just say, I want a spin-off movie all about the circus ringleader.
2: That would be good. Yeah, yeah. That would be the, good. The he's
0: shouting, just, screaming, mm-hmm. hairy, he's just, sweaty. He's, he is utterly loathsome. Yes, they found... And, they found the most Danny DeVito you can get, who isn't Danny DeVito. Well,
2: there's no, but there's no comical edge to this guy. No, like, no There's something kind of funny about Danny DeVito. There's he is no...
0: play, play. He's playing Danny DeVito straight.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a little horrifying. Uh, so, um, they demonstrate this woman's sensitivity to water. By dunking it, in, dunking her arm in a barrel, and it burns her arm and creates all these boils and yeah. stuff.
0: Which I must say, like, uh, even though the film doesn't have the the, the backstory narration uh, that we get at the beginning of most of these films, to give *Evil* a small sliver of credit, or at least the right, you know, the the, the screenwriters, um, it does do decently at setting things up, like at a basic level. You know, we know yes. the brimstone of vampire hunters because they stake the vampire. Uh, we know what blood rain is from this scene by being shown all of the vampiric traits and everything. Uh, it does a decent job of actually, like, visually and showing rather than telling.
2: I think some of it is blink and you'll miss it. which sure. Which sure. is, pro- is, is a problem. Well, know, the like... big
0: problem with this film is it makes you blink for long periods of time. Yes. Um, and, and it's very easy to... Just not let any of it go in, because it's not very interesting, not a lot terribly. of what happens. Not um, I think that's the problem. I, I don't even know if it's blink or you'll miss it. I think the, the information is presented um, reasonably. I well, just and, think and it's it also so dry and dull that you let it like glaze over you.
2: It does go to uh, significant pains at times to make sure you see something that justifies something later. I will, I will give it credit for that. It's not subtle when it does it. Yes, um, yes, it's but, it's less Chekhov's it's gun
0: and more like Chekhov's lighted neon sign right. pointing but that, at something.
2: But you know, like the aside about oh, you brimstone guys, it's like what what does that mean? Like it's just it's. I know that that's what it means because I've watched this movie three fucking times now. <laughs> but to the person who's just coming to this fresh, it's like, okay, like what what is that? Okay, th- I well, guess I
0: think that the th- the thing about the film is it it. It doesn't care. That's true, and doesn't assume you'd care. You it, and, 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 it, and and I think for most of the audience, that I think that's probably true. And I, they shouldn't. I think so yeah, yeah, like like the average person who just wants to see a film with blood and tits in it, and which is mostly what that. this film's
2: here for. You're um,
0: that. Yeah, all they need to know is brimstone hunts vampires. Deal done.
2: So uh, they, they cut some <laughs> back of the performance tent. They, uh, they cut several gashes in her other arm. She's got the burn-on. It's all like, uh, and she will scream. And the crowd's like, ooh. And a goat is then bled out into a cup. And they put it to her lips and she drinks it. And it heals all her wounds to the horrified delight of the audience. Now, later, locked in one of the carnival's traveling carts, Rain is approached by the sword and candle performer, which, you see now th- here I'll, this is a perfect example I did not understand who this chick was yeah that's true we don't really get all I did get that but here's the thing I didn't even get that she was the person doing the candle sword performance no I'd somehow no. overlooked the sword and candle performance the first two times I watched this no I, I never
0: put it together until um, later with the the swords become apparently hers um it, it's you are right like the film does
2: it, it it stumbles through all of this stuff that if i understood it maybe it would make better film and then on top of that it later you will see it presents me with information that i i really wish it hadn't like i really wish it had kept a couple of things a little closer to the vest in service of telling a story
0: yeah yeah
2: but uh so
0: this... Uh, can I just point out as well, yes, um, before we get too far away from the the performance bit, the circus bit. Um... Presumably, this is a world in which vampires are a known quantity. Oh, it's clearly. never established Brimstone is a secret society. In fact, they stake a vampire in full view of an entire tavern, and nobody cares.
2: Everybody's pretty non... Well, they, they gasp, they but gasp, they go but it's right kind of back like, to their drinks.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, oh shit, it was a vampire. It's not, oh shit, what's that? It's, oh, oh someone got stabbed. Oh, sh- it's a vampire. Everyone get back to your drinks. And the barman's just like, hey, I like your Brimstone types.
2: So, with that in mind... Well, it's like and with vamp- hit the jukebox, yeah. I think. And everyone turned and looked for a second. And they said, hey, it's the Fonz. And they went, hey! So,
0: according to this film's visual storytelling, vampires are a known quantity oh, yeah. Very mundane clearly. enough to not be bothered about. How is that so-called freak show making a living off just having a vampire?
2: That's... I have no idea. They're the, just if... making
0: her do vampire things. I
2: maybe not everyone believes in fa- I I don't understand, I don't get it again no. I
0: I have to go by just like everything the film's presenting me the <laughs> it, film are. presented vampires as a mundane part of I this world it hadn't
2: even occurred to me that that but you're absolutely right it's, maybe maybe it's cuz she's female <laughs> And it's just like they've never seen a, a female vampire before.
0: Maybe maybe the whole, you know, freak show thing is just a pretense for, you know, societal well, misogyny. It also, it's I, just, let's just burn and cut this girl.
2: Oh, 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 by the same token, I, I have real issues about, like, the gap of time and how she wound up there. Like, I don't understand how she got involved with this carnival group in the first place. And in fact, what has she been doing for the last 20 years?
0: Yeah, I think that was a case of um, the film just needed to give her a rags-to-riches backstory.
2: Right. I yeah. Just, yeah I, it, I, I I, know they wanted an excuse to give her these strange blades, and maybe that was the best thing. They, I don't know. I
0: think that's what it was. Like, They needed to give her that... It was apparently very important to. Uh, we have to make sure all
2: of these pieces are here. Yeah, and we need to find a setting that could fit all of those. Well, they uh... needed to
0: give her the costume from the video game, right? And apparently, the best way to do that was circus, because I guess you could argue it's kind of a Harlequinny kind of a little bit. Yeah, I guess you could say. So circus was it, but like you know, it's the kind isn't of costume it, you'd give more to, more to like, like a high flying trapeze artist or something.
2: Isn't supposed to be like a an hourglass thing, you know, like a uh, black widow type on the lower body. Wasn't that the intent of the design? I
0: I can't even tell you now. I think I think the main intent of the design was to um,
2: draw attention be... to breasts and ass.
0: It was to be masturbated over. Okay, now. all right, yeah. all
2: right. Just checking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So they this this woman is apparently really close to Raid, it's just
0: yeah just take it from us the the film does a lot of just take it from us (laughs) moments just Uh, you you're familiar with these like narrative tropes this film (laughs) has them roll with
2: it Uh, she she says that she has a wealthy uncle who is uh going to come for them and help them leave this carnival so i guess they're indebted to the carnival in some fashion um, before leaving, she gives Rain a crucifix for protection. Now, we cut to a distant castle where the vampire king, Kagan, speaks <laughs> with his loyal servant, Domestir, who has brought reports of a female vampire in a blood rage. This causes Kagan to have an acid flashback, and he orders Domestir to dispatch spies to track down the young woman who may pose a threat to his plans. Yuck. Yep. Elsewhere, rain is running and screaming through a field and eventually collapses in, in these anxious... Like, it just cuts from one thing to the next thing to this thing. I think
0: that's the thing with this film, is it's not it, it's not that the setup for everything isn't there. It's not that the narrative isn't uh, structured um, relatively competently. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's, it's one of the most matter-of-fact films you could ever hope as, to say. As
2: evidenced... Probably no greater than in the performance of Sir Ben Kingsley. Yes. Who delivers the lines. I I think that the plan, I think the intent was to make Kagan seem so above mortal petty concerns, right? To have such a long view and to be so matter of fact about everything and so assured of his own victory that all kind of emotion has been worn out of him but it it's, it's he just like, looks bored. He looks bored. He looks like he lifted he he's, he looks like he's holding the script behind his back.
0: Yeah. And we can we can't guarantee that it wasn't happening. That's
2: true. He just lifts it up, reads the lie real quick, puts it back, it, says it back. Like yeah. that's
0: how it Listen, feels. the man's gone on record as being like he didn't give a shit. Right. He was there for the money. He didn't give a shit. And it it is. And it, it bleeds through, and it doesn't help. Ble- that the, the movie itself is just like Kagan in that it is so confident, weirdly confident, and self assured, and above it all, that it, it also doesn't give a shit. Uh. This this movie is things
2: happen, the film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she has a. Uh, Rain in this field has this uh, flashback of having been sleeping fitfully at her cart. When one of the carnival workers comes in drunk and attempts to rape her, she hits him with his bottle, and some of his blood drips into her mouth, and this drives her into a frenzy. Yep. So she escapes the cart and attacks several more people, including the uh, leader of the carnival.
0: Yeah, she runs him through.
2: Really does him, does a number on him.
0: Putting paid and- to my plans for a spin-off series of movies, all about oh, such him. A,
2: such a shame. It's tragic, Lots really. You know what? You know what? Though we don't have anything that happened before. Like it could be, it could be the story of them leading up to meeting Blood Rain. You know, it could be the end of the of the of the series. You know, you make it like a six part miniseries following this guy, and and at the end they encounter her.
0: Yeah, yeah TV spin off,
2: right? Do
0: a whole series like Better Call Soul.
2: There, there, we saved it.
0: We've done we, it. We've we saved. It. Someone get me that, <laughs> that guy's agent.
2: So uh, the travelers. Uh, are seen riding what we presume is the next day. It is now daytime. Uh, and through a forced dialogue exchange, we get to learn their names now. Uh, they are Sebastian, Catarin, and their leader, Vladimir. Yeah, not the most original of names. Not particularly. We also learn that they oppose Kagan, who has built an army of thralls in his effort to conquer the world. But their vampire-huntering organization, Brimstone, has seen better days. Um again this
0: is all stuff that you could read on the back of like half a dozen
2: like I'm not, I'm not $5 saying, dollar medieval novels. I'm not saying it comes off more natural how I've written and performed it here. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. But,
0: but it's close it's a horse yeah. race. It it wouldn't surprise me if at one point um Michael Madstone just looks at the camera and is just like as you know. <laughs> The Brimstone Society, what we're in, has seen better days.
2: Uh, Sebastian and and Catherine are sort of frustrated by this odd side trip that Vladimir is taking them on to this carnival. But uh, Vlad's intrigued by the idea of a vampire being held captive and suggests that she might be the one, whatever that means. Here we have the first incredibly frustrating example <laughs> of a time where the film doesn't bother to fill you in.
0: Again, it's relying on it relies on its audience having seen a lot of other films just right. like this one. Right when Clearly you say the one, see it play. Yeah. but we never get to hear it. There is no prophecy <laughs> in this film. She is just referred to as the one, and your minds fill in the rest. It's like when you see, um, like like a face in the clouds. You see a few little features, and your mind fills in the rest of right. the face. That's what this film is. It's Faces in the Clouds. It's Mad Libs the Movie. Mad Libs the Movie, yeah. You You get basic information. If anything, we should all have been given a screenwriting credit in the film. (laughs) Because it relies so much on our brains filling in the blanks. If you've never seen a movie before, if Blood Drain is the first film you've ever watched, you're fucked. You won't be able to follow it. We, I, you may be thinking, why are they talking about this film as if it's complicated? And I grant you, it's not. But that's only because you've seen other films. Right? If it's... you've never watched a movie before
2: this would be incomprehensible. You have to take, yeah. you're just taking it all at face value. You're not really actually thinking about it because the film is actively encouraging you not to think. It's wearing out your mind by forcing it to subconsciously fill in all of the gaps it has left in its own storytelling, thereby preventing you from having enough mental acuity to realize how shit it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's a very clever thing. It is, it is draining. You may call it a mindless, brainless film, but it is drawing more mental energy from you than any other film you've ever watched.
2: Arriving at the site of the carnival, yep. Vlad and crew observe the carnage and determine it's the work of a young vampire and begin chopping heads off victims and burning corpses. Like you do. You know, just yes. general post-vampire attack maintenance work. Um, Katerin finds the performer who had given the crucifix to Rain in the earlier scene, and she is now wounded. Now, though initially denying knowledge of the flashback we are shown, where Rain attacks her and then takes the blade from her performance, she tries to convince the Brimstone crew that Rain's not a vampire, as she was wearing a crucifix. So, aha! Something weird about this vampire. Checkmate, atheists! Catherine then kills her and heads off to investigate a nearby village for yeah. more information.
0: Because uh, Michelle Rodriguez in this film is playing a, a no-nonsense, uh, tough character who's willing to do what it takes to get the job done.
2: It is a, it's a stretch
0: for her. It's a breakout role.
2: Uh, she's really uh, trying to spread her wings a bit in terms of, of acting. And, uh, you know, I, I got to give her credit for taking the risk. Not easy. In another castle, a man who is Catherine's father is dictating a letter uh, saying to her that Brimstone is doomed to fail against Kagan uh, and implying that he had been at some point involved in the organisation.
0: Yeah. Uh, For those keeping score, this is Billy Zane. Oh, sweet,
2: sweet Billy Zane.
0: Possibly the only actor outside of Meatloaf in this film who's trying. (laughs) Billy Zane is no stranger to shitty films.
2: No,
1: he's not.
0: And he's one of those people who's like... He understands. He, he he strikes me as an actor who had the mental foresight to work out that his, the first shitty film he ever did was not... Going to be far from the last shitty film he ever did. And he's like, I've got to be good at this. I've got to be able to sell this. Because this is where my bread and butter's going to be. And and he's delightful he, he he he's never not a joy to watch he's absolutely delightful at he's this he's like i'm never going to get another titanic
2: no so let's just own what we've got well, and and in this he is uh he's funny yeah Beca- because like he's a bad guy yes but he has some not nobility isn't the word, but you know he's 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 got a, a loyalty to his his family, which is kind of interesting for who is a bad guy. And he's playful, like he's, he's just the only of, character in the film who is. He's he's the only one who seems well. That's I was I was gonna say I was about to say he's the only one who seems to be en- enjoying that he's a vampire. But that's not true because Meatloaf true. similarly seems to be enjoying being a vampire.
0: Yeah, that's true. But he's. He, Billy Zane is the only one who's being a vampire. That, I'll say that much. What Meatloaf's doing is not being a vampire.
2: Meatloaf is enjoying being Meatloaf. Yes. Circa Billy 1972.
0: Zane, yeah. Billy Zane is actually playing up the campy vampire kind of thing. And he does it really well. Yeah. But yes, he is a vampire who he was part of Brimstone and his father... uh, Sorry, his daughter is in Brimstone.
2: And he is uh, writing her this letter to ask her to retrieve an artifact from within the Brimstone Fortress to prevent it from falling into Kagan's hands. Assuming that Brimstone is going to fall anyway, you know, better to make sure I have this thing as a bad guy (laughs) instead of the other really bad guy. That's the strategy at play. Now, we cut to Rain. Witnessing a pair of vampires attacking a traveling cart. Yeah, where we
0: get the real sense that vampires are literally
1: everywhere.
2: Everywhere. Like, this just... The land is plagued with vampires. Uh, And she stops their feeding and kills them. And drinking Mm. their blood while a terrified child watches. Does the film ever state where this is
0: set? Uh, No. I only recall one reference to it just being the lawless lands.
2: Uh, It's not... I don't know where it's set. It seems to be in our world because Rome exists. Yeah. But everyone's
0: uh, got just whatever accent they feel like having.
2: And I can't... I, I also can't tell if it's, like, pre-Renaissance or post-Renaissance, pre-industrial. Like, the time period is a little... Yeah.
0: According to IMDb, it's the 18th century. We've nailed it down to... Oh, okay. Uh, a 100-year a, a window. But All where... Right. And when in that hundred years, we do But the New
2: World may or may not uh, be, uh, you know, about to undergo this revolution. Let's
0: bear in mind as well that likely Uva Bowl and friends um, don't know a lot about history. So anything could still be happening in this film. It could (laughs) still be any time period.
2: We are applying a level of uh, expectation and rationality that this product would never ascribe to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've done more research on the time period than (laughs) they have by virtue of us just knowing things about the time period.
2: So anyway, she lays down her weapons, uh, after killing these vampires and saving most of the people on this cart and says to them, Oh, I only want to kill vampires. And that's apparently totally okay with everyone. Because they decided to take her along for the ride on the cart. That's, wow, what the fuck? That's really weird, right? I'm sure. Yeah, that's pretty strange. Like you don't just, you, 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 you wouldn't you just get on the cart and say, well, thanks a lot. It's nice, appreciate it, Have a, and like ride the fuck away from there as fast as you could. Why would you take her with you? Because she needs to get
0: somewhere for the plot. <laughs> that's about it. I,
2: Damn it! Uh, arriving in town, Rain quickly finds another vampire to feed on who was going to prey on a young man. And uh, she's spotted by a fortune teller who tells her of her nature as a tampir, uh, a half-human, half-vampire. Again, I have to question, what was she doing for the last 20 years? Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, she...
2: she... The fortune teller couldn't have been
0: a good fortune teller if it took her this fucking long. <laughs>
2: this, this fortune teller reveals to Rain that Kagan's her father, as well as her mother's murderer. Uh, which, she, she's been seeking her mother's murderer all this time, apparently. So that's something we can establish that she's been doing. Yes. We know that much. And now she knows who it is, so that's good. And Rain now has the same flashback that Kagan had had earlier, but from a slightly different perspective. And Rain wants revenge. So, the fortune teller warns her that Kagan's fortress is impenetrable, but she could get an audience with him by acquiring a talisman, uh, this eye that Kagan seeks from a monastery to the south. She indicates that Rain would be doing a service to the world by keeping this talisman from Kagan, which kind of goes against the whole suggestion of using it to get close to him.
0: Yeah, yeah, the film is um, very bad at that. uh, This whole, um, keep this thing away from him. But Um, it's
2: irrelevant, because Rain doesn't care about the world anyway. Yeah. So I guess that's fine. Um, But But I say fortune teller, I'd have
0: picked someone else.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Then
0: again, it all wraps up nice at the end, so maybe the fortune teller knew.
2: (laughs) Wheels within wheels. One of Kagan's spies. Here's the exchange. Of course he does. Because these vampire spies are everywhere. Yeah, well, the vampires are everywhere. Dormesteer is set to follow Rain, let her attempt to get the talisman, and then ensure that she's dead. Um, Vladimir and Sebastian, meanwhile, see Dormesteer's gang riding in pursuit of Rain. You know, I don't see Rain; they just see Dormesteer, and they decide to follow Dormesteer. Arriving at the monastery, Rain pretends to be a weary traveler seeking refuge and is given food and a place to sleep, and uh, she. In the middle of the night, she sneaks into the basement, and finds that a huge, disfigured sleeping monk with a big hammer is wearing across the exact size and shape of a nearby impression in a wall. Not great security. <laughs> it's the key is really close to the door. Yeah. So what was that thing supposed to be? <laughs> was it know. a monster?
0: I don't. It think... is some huge, monstrous, hulking guy with yeah. a, a comedy mallet, and and like the costume's pretty good. Like, that face is not bad. Kind of. Kind of. Until
1: stuff until starts
2: moving. Until he starts yeah. yeah until he starts having to be nimble. Um, the uh, Predictably, this monk awakens when she tries to remove the cross, and they get into a bit of a tussle. Now, this fight is amazing. <laughs> it's not the word I'd have used. It is amazing. So she tries to use one of these blade things that she has to lift the key off of... The the guy, which that's just stupid to begin. That's not a good approach. No, no, uh, just dumb. But then he gets up and he takes this big swing with the hammer and like clocks her in the head. And then all of a sudden, the blades are on the ground, on either yep. side of a ki- of, uh, either side of a pillar, kind of neatly placed. Well, ne- not not just neatly placed, but there's no audio cue to indicate that they've fallen. Nope. That she's lost them. There's no visual cue. To show her... She just gets hit by the hammer. And in the next cut, you see them sitting neatly on either side I, of the pillar. I did distinctly think when I saw, like... Did she put them there? I don't remember
0: her putting them there. Exactly. Like, I was actually confused for
2: a moment. That I had that thought, too. Because there's the later scene after this battle where she goes and picks them up. And so they they very clearly take the time to show her retrieving them. But they didn't take the effort to... to effectively demonstrate how she lost yeah. them.
0: Again, I, Again, this is a movie that wants your brain to fill in the blanks. Because yeah. in other films, it's a given that at some point someone's going to get into a fight one-on-one with someone and their weapons are going to get discarded and they're going to have to retrieve them. But it's Our so, brains know
2: this. It's so ineffective, though, that it, it leads you to question everything that you just saw.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it didn't bank to... Uh, too correctly on the human psychology aspect of its uh, writing in this particular scene.
2: But I well the the, the real the real reason for her losing the blades is to justify her doing like a a freestyle gymnastics floor routine uh, yeah. uh, around him swigging the hammer at her. And, and let th- me just say, um, for this
0: scene, and and this applies to every fight scene from here on out. These are some of the worst fight scenes I've ever seen. Oh before. my god! I've never seen such slow obviously placed choreography in my life. Like, not to none mention, of them are into it. They're no. going through clearly staged, blocked motions of, like, clearly someone off camera saying, right, now swing overhead and hit the ground with the rubber hammer.
2: It looks like the rehearsal. Yes,
0: yes. It looks like they are, like, talking over what they're doing and then doing it. It's so stilted and stunted and... And and paint by numbers. And And it doesn't help
2: that the weapons look fake as hell as well. The only fight in which it works is the Kagan fight at the end. And that's just because Kagan has been that way the entire fucking movie.
0: Just because it's in character that
2: it looks shit. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Now, for no clear reason, the monk then grabs a spiked mace. Like, he he had her on the run with the hammer.
0: It doesn't help because the hammer looked fake as it is. Yeah. The mace looks like something out of like, a fucking fun house that you give kids <laughs> to hit each other with. It's like a Nerf mace. And he gets one swing with it before it gets inexplicably
2: stuck in a pillar. I don't know how it did that with
0: rubber spikes. <laughs> she,
2: she kicks him in the chest and takes the mace, uses it to hit his legs out from under him, and then brains him, which they show us twice. Yep. Oh, it's so Good God bless Why you Why were they proud ball. of that effect um, And I'm, I'm
0: not going to talk about the other time They show it which is right at the end of the film Because there's something about it shown there That I want to talk about but right here i just say for the record it, it, It's like rub Like so obviously Rubber on rubber action like the whole Head squishes Like, like squishes like Bounces it bounces <laughs>
2: This should be a gif. We need a gif.
0: We do we need a gif of bounce Get us a gif. Father bouncy head.
2: So using the cross in the impression. Yeah. She gains access to a room rigged with spinning blades that pass across the floor in a dangerous fashion. Which
0: uh, I'm assuming is CGI and It's got to be. And they did passable. Well, what they did was they made they tried to emphasize how fast the blades were by making them really, really blurry. Yeah. So it's like really blurry so you can't see how shitless... It still looks shit because
2: it's so blurry. But it's the best special effects work in the movie. Yes.
0: And and they, they so... realized the CGI was going to be terrible. So it's like, let's just take the lesser of two evils and make it like visual gibberish. You know,
2: credit where credit's due. Yes. That was the right call. Yeah, it, it knew absolutely it, the right call. In this one
0: instance, the movie was aware of its faults.
2: <laughs> so she throws one of her blades into the room, and it hits uh, one of these spinning blades and gets flung up and stuck in the ceiling.
0: Yes. Now, I've got to say, she does that after seeing what I think is, is supposed to be, like, uh, a premonition of the blades coming out. It's never really explained. She walks in and you get that weird acid flashback visual and she sees all the blades and then it goes away. And then she throws the sword to make sure that what she saw was right. But that whole premonition thing never comes
2: up again. Well, and then she throws the second one, uh, and it was seemingly clearly with the intent of getting it embedded in the wall on the other side, but it's not clear what she thinks she's going to accomplish by that. Yeah, yeah. And then she just follows it by doing a sort of handspring thing through the middle of the room. Maybe she's trying to set. Maybe she's using it to set them off. And then she's going to pass through while they're in motion. Maybe that's it. Maybe. Uh, or maybe she
0: just think... figured she couldn't hold the weapons while doing all the flippy stuff. Okay. Oh, that... But she might need the weapon on the other side in case, I don't know, another rubber faced monk turns up.
2: Okay, right, yeah. So
0: I guess there are reasons why you do it, but it's. it's... Again, it's your brain having to fill in the blanks.
2: God though. damn this movie! <laughs> But uh, she, she gets to the other side and gets those talismans in a box and she lifts it up and all of a sudden water starts bubbling up from underneath it and she's like, oh my God. And water starts Because water burns, you know, I remember. Room. Right, water burns vampires. And so she's driven into the center of the room and, and, and the water's pooling up underneath her and she's got to figure out what to do. So she jumps to her one blade and then uses it to gain uh, uh, height to grab the one that's in the ceiling and she hangs there upside down from it. And the box sort of comes loose in her hand, and, and the, uh, it opens up, and the eye falls out. She catches it, and she's all staring at it, and, you know, just stares awkwardly um, until the blade she's hanging from starts to come loose, and she falls down to the ground to the yep. water. And, <gasps> the water that splashed on her arm didn't hurt her, and the eye is gone.
0: Yeah and, she, and so the the eye, the eye is gone and it made one of her eyes go a bit of a
2: funny colour. Right so it's slightly it's a slightly different but still noticeable seemingly to everyone from every distance that it's a different eye. Yes. I'm also not sure if it's the right eye or the left eye and it <laughs> seems to swap. <laughs> I think right now it's the left eye. Mm-hmm. I think when Michael Madsen sees it in a little bit, it's going to be the right eye.
0: Vampire magic, isn't it?
2: While she's busy marveling at this, a chubby monk arrives and escorts <laughs> her from the... <laughs> Chuck the chubby monk. He is. He escorts her from the chamber to meet with the head monk, who uh, is this, uh, he's played by uh, Udo Kier. Um, love him. He's enjoyable. <laughs> even though it's, it's brainless work. Uh, he provides a bunch of exposition, uh, explaining that this eye is part of a uh, matching set, along with a rib and a heart that belonged to a vampire who once learned to overcome the traditional vampiric weaknesses of sunlight and water and the cross.
0: In the game, it was the, a devil; it was a demon, not a vampire.
2: Okay, all right, but this, so this is from this is true to the game at least. Well, that's uh, the
0: character of of Belia, or Belia Belia yeah. um, is. You're like, he's actually a, a, an enemy in the first Blood Rain, but he's, like, the original devil or something. Well, and not, not a vampire. They they changed that a bit to, oh. to just focus on vampires.
2: Kagan is in... Is a character in the original Blood Rain? Yes? No? Like... Uh, I, no. Okay, I believe so, not. So they don't introduce Kagan Maybe the game. I better check the wiki. Well, because, well, like... I checked the uh, Wikipedia page for the games, and they actually like are no spoiler descriptions, which is weird for a video game wiki thing. Um, not providing.
0: Uh, yeah, he 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 appears in Blood Rain Two and Blood Rain Betrayal.
2: Okay, all right. So. Uh, That's Kagan. Interesting. Uh, I did play Betrayal. It's the only game I really played. Yeah, I played Betrayal. Never played Blood Rain Two. We'll talk about it during the sequels. Yeah. Because we're gonna have to do two more of these fucking things. Oh, yeah, voiced by Troy
0: Baker in uh, the games, apparently.
2: Ah, like everything else. Yes. So, uh, he exp- this head monk explains uh, that you know they've been hiding these relics from vampires for hundreds of years, and they're not allowed to, about to let her go wandering off with one of them embedded in her head. Uh, now, Rain points out that she's not a vampire, she's a fear. and like everyone else in the movie, apparently, the monk immediately knows that Kagan's her father. Uh, it's about this time that Dormister's boys arrive at the monastery, and they start killing all the monks. And this scene's hilarious
0: um, because not only does it feature the shitty fucking choreography of all the other fight scenes, um, the the comic violence on display is incredible.
2: Yeah, like it's
0: hilarious. Swords going into people's mouths, people I being have, chopped straight in half. Like I it's...
2: have a great still image of this that I took when I was uh, watching of the first time she like really really they go to an effort to really show her stabbing someone. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, oh, it's it's gorgeous. Like it is such low budget, cheap special effects. Yep. <laughs> uh, rubber fucking
0: heads again, rubber heads and fake things that my favorite bit is where there's a bloke on the floor and it's clearly like his head sticking out a hole in the ground <laughs> <laughs> with like a rubber torso and fake arms. And it's all been mangled up. And there's like two or three dudes gathered around this clearly like like pile Like it's a pile of dead body parts. It's there's no harm. It's no threat. That dude is done. And there's three of them just like hacking at the flesh with their swords for no reason. It's just body parts on the floor and they're just like chopping it into more bits it's like there's other dudes around them fighting, it's like well, go and fight those. But it's like, no no, we gotta chop this bit. It is fucking brilliant. Like they're making a fucking dinner or something.
2: And amidst the chaos, the brimstone Krizoo also arrives. Yep. And Vladimir scopes Rain's new eye from like a hundred yards or something ridiculous. Yep. Before Dormister tosses her over his shoulder, caveman style, and makes off. You know, Va- uh, vladimir sends Catherine again off on her own keeps doing this like no wonder she has an attitude problem because vladimir's always sending her off to do the bullshit work while he and his homeboy sebastian go like follow up on exciting things what the fuck vladimir um but he sends her off to inform brimstone of the monastery attack before pursuing Dormsteer with sebastian and there's a scene here where she discovers a messenger from brimstone was mm-hmm. coming to the monastery or at the monastery it's never really yeah it's it's confusing as fuck but it's kind of necessary to mention that it's there because it it sets up a later explanation I guess that also could have been handled better but we'll get there in a second but th- that scene exists and I just mentioned it so you're aware that it existed uh, Meanwhile Kagan has a snack. Um, Dormistere takes a ring. Yeah, the, there's this whole, this scene uh, that has no plot
0: relevance of, of, um, uh, fucking Kagan, of Ben Kingsley, like, like, chewing on some, I guess, peasant girl's neck. I think, I, I, I. Just to remind us
2: he's a vampire, like we'd have forgotten. I think it was probably in his contract
1: that he had, to, <laughs> he had
2: to get, you know, X number of seeds with young women being seductive. And this was just fulfilling that contractual obligation,
0: and it what? wasn't like like Billy Zane can pull off seductive vampire gonna bite your neck or It's a bit sexy. Ben Kingsley looking bored and old. It's just it doesn't work. It's just horrible. It's- Not even in a like this is creepy. This is like like good villain material because he's so skeezy. It's just no. It's it's
2: just. This film is creepy, not this character is creepy. It's an utterly useless, I guess, 120-second scene. Serves no function in the story other than to remind you that the villain is a vampire. And as vampires are everywhere, this is a vampire movie. You know, why is it this that they have to explain to us or point out again or or make obvious? Like, when it forces us to fill in all these other blanks.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, we've got, to, we've got to explain so much to ourselves about this movie. And yet, this film thought that vampires were the concept we'd get stuck on. That's the obscure part of the film. Uh, they won't know enough about vampires. Oh. The, this film's going to educate them on the legend.
2: So, uh, Dormisteer takes Raid to the lair of another vampire, Leonid, mm-hmm. played by Marvin Lee Meatloaf A Day.
0: Yeah, who's actually credited as Meatloaf a day? He is credited as not Meatloaf, not just a Meatloaf. Day.
2: Well, and what well, this was around the time that he started doing that. Like there had been some other things where he'd just been Meatloaf. Um, meatloaf a day. I think when he decided he was going to take his, uh, his filmmaking career seriously. Yeah, plus um. it
0: keeps the doctor away. <laughs>
2: meatloaf a day. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just imagining people with enlarged hearts going to see cardiologists saying, "Wait a minute, have I got this wrong?" <laughs> uh, uh, Leonid tries to get Dormiester to give him rein for his harem. Yes, uh, mocking his dedication to Kagan. And let
0: let us just point out that in this particular scene, breasts are exposed for
2: our pleasure. Oh, so, yes, the the breasts have been exposed for our pleasure. They have. They have, yes. Uh, Leonid is introduced, surrounded on a bed, surrounded by uh, nude, semi-nude women. There's some full frontal in this. Absolutely. There is straight up hardcore nudity and it is testament to the
0: talent of meatloaf and just how amazing meatloaf looks in this film that i barely cared uh, yeah, because my i was eyes, just transfixed by the work were of drawn Mr.
2: to meatloaf he is this this whole scene this entire leonid's house bit is probably the high point of the movie yes he's
0: there in like white fucking long white hair with with silks all over his fucking personage,
2: looking fabulous, surrounded by what, as I, I what I'm led to understand, were uh, for budgetary reasons actual prostitutes. <laughs> of course. So there you go, um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, he's he's very very interested in in rain. Um, yeah, and uh, this. Okay, well, I'll get He was way. like, oh, uh, I uh, must uh, add to have... my collection. And then he sees her shiny new eye, and suddenly he's, like, super demanding yeah, about the it. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Demands that uh, Dormister be, you know, taken away and, and, and all this. And meanwhile, Sebastian and Vladimir are sort of making their way through this orgiastic feeding going on in the lair. This, the reason this is the best scene is that, like, there was time and attention and care. Put into the set design and yep. what's going on here. He Leonid has these humans sort of chained up and and used as as feeding vessels, where he's just draining them and having servants collect the blood and feed them to people, and there are other vampires that are just feeding on this. And there's you can see that the money and time and energy was put into this sequence and this sequence alone. Yeah. Among all others in the film. And it's great. If the movie was ten minutes long and consisted only <laughs> as a short story of this Leonid encounter as a kind of vampire hunter raiding in the daytime vignette, would have been great. It would yeah. the, the, yeah. the high point of, of Uwe Boll's career as far it's as It's an
0: I'm eminently concerned. watchable scene.
2: It's really, really good. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, it it does have to come to an end. They uh, they being Sebastian and Vladimir bust in right about the time that Leonid's getting ready to carve the eye out of Rain's skull. Uh, after a bit of fighting, Vladimir breaks a window. In
0: which Leonid uh, and and Vladimir have history. Yeah, they have an exchange. So it's been Where's a long that time. Movie?
2: Why don't I get
0: <laughs> that movie? And again, because the movie knows we've seen other movies, it doesn't explain their history. It's just well, of course they've got history.
2: It's not fair. That's a story I would like to yes. know.
0: But yes, I was about to... Um, I interrupted you while you were explaining oh, yes. how Leonid dies, which is the stupidest it's death so for a vampire.
2: T- what the fuck? Leonid breaks a window? Why
0: Why is there a window in there at all? First of all, it's established to be some sort of crypt, mausoleum type place. Right. Don't need a window. Second of all, you've, you're a vampire. You live forever. You have eternity. You can't take 20 minutes to board up
2: the fucking windows... Why are you living in a place that has a window at all? Yeah. That's just, that... but either
0: way he's got several windows that shine directly onto his fucking bed. <laughs> <laughs> you could just break them from outside and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Who was his, who was his interior decorator? <laughs> <laughs> his death scene is awesome though because he burns up and then he's a skeleton and then just as before the skeleton falls over it like lifts its head up and goes Ah and does a big old Meatloaf scream. Because
2: Meatloaf deserves it. He yeah, he earned it. He elevated A day earned it. So <clears throat> Vladimir has to defend his decision to do whatever it is he's doing with Rain again while on a boat with Sebastian.
0: Yes um you may be tempted to believe it's because he believes that she's the one but that bit never comes up again yeah the whole hint of a prophecy and shit long forgotten by now <laughs> it is long yeah. forgotten
2: uh, yeah i i, I want to say that there's some casual mention to it again later in the film but i can't specifically if there remember is, I, an I, instance yeah, of it if there is i can't recall and one. that's and that's bad enough the the prophecy is not anywhere in this film. If you're waiting for the prophecy, forget about it. Not happening. Um, Dormaster meanwhile has to break the bad news to Kagan that all of this stuff happened at the uh, mo- at the uh, mausoleum, and he's uh, Kagan's disturbed by Reigns having absorbed this eye, and now demands that she be brought to him alive instead of dead. So it sort of changes the strategy a bit. Now, Vlad brings Rain to the Brimstone Society headquarters, where Katerin is waiting for them with the news that a brimstone in Rome did exist but does not now, and that Kagan now has the rib talisman as a result. So, this is one of the reasons why I would have liked a little, just a little bit of explanation about what brimstone was prior to the events of the film. I guess they operate like independent terror cells would. Like, they're a cell-based operation, because these people who are apparently like, we're the Brimstone, we have a headquarters and a fortress, don't know about another Brimstone existing in Rome.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think you as an organization have failed when the vampires know more about your organization than you do.
2: Uh, I, maybe the intent was so that in the event one of them fell they wouldn't be able to give the location of the other two? Yeah. Or something like that? I don't, I, I don't know. The trouble is the plan's bollocks, because it didn't help him. Well, no, clearly it didn't, and... and I mean, well, clearly the plan didn't work because Catherine knows about Rome. <laughs> like, she found a messenger. They were sending messages back and forth. So, yeah. poorly kept fucking secret, guys. Uh. <sighs> <laughs> Rain opens up to her new friends from within the cell that they're keeping her locked up in, uh, protesting how, you know, she's not gonna kill humans. She's totally fine with drinking animal blood, and telling the tragic story of the night her mother was killed by Kagan, providing us now with the most complete version of the flashback to date. That gives us. And that's good enough for Vlad, who invites her to train with the Brimstone Krizu. Catherine's uh, pretty pissed with this decision. Thinks Vlad's going soft. Yep. And we start getting training montage. Now, some amount of time is now passing. And it's really unclear how much. It seems like more time is passing than is necessary for the events that happen elsewhere from the Brimstone headquarters. Yeah, I, I
0: get a feeling like the writers didn't know how long it would take for the other stuff to wrap up. So did enough montage to buy them time if needed.
2: But at the same time, like they, they, the way they structure the training stuff, you get the impression that months have passed, right? Like, yeah. like, like she's, she's doing sword training and her skills are improved to the point where at some point she breaks the blades that she had taken from her friend and like wears them out. Um, and it's, it's it so, like, that some real time has passed for her. Yes. But the events that happened for Kagan, I mean, that could be solved in, like, an afternoon for all that happens with him. Or maybe,
0: maybe, because he is such an old vampire, months is an afternoon to Kagan.
2: Well, I mean, that very could, could be, but, the, like, the timeline just really fucks with me. Because here, okay. We know Catherine and the Brimstone guys all know about Rome, right? Which means that most likely Kagan knows about Rome at the same time and he's already got the writ, right? Yeah. So why is it later that like Kagan gets the amulets of the brimstone crew from Rome? Like, well after all of this training... She, like, the timelines all kinds of fucked up, and I don't... I, I don't, think,
0: honestly, that it's best not to think
2: about I know, it. I know, I I'm, know. I'm really overthinking it, and that's... But, anyway, Sebastian comes along at some point in this exercise and, and, and brings Rain, uh, who's still living in the cell, I guess, but, you know, free to come and go as she pleases,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it brings a new outfit from the, seam, from the seamstress for her to wear and hopes that, you know, it meets with her, her fashion choices. Uh, which I guess, I mean, was there a big difference? I didn't notice a difference between... It looks
0: exactly the same. <laughs> okay.
2: I <laughs> could, I'm not, I didn't miss it. I really didn't want to go back and check again on something. Um, and he tells her, uh, Sebastian, that is, tells Rain of her history, of his history. That, uh, you know, Vlad had killed his parents who'd been turned, uh, thus saving Sebastian's life. Uh you know as as to sort of indicate hey you know you're not the only one who's had to suffer cuz of vampires as if that wasn't like shouldn't have been painfully obvious to fucking everybody on earth like, yeah considering the big here.
0: vampire problem they have
2: <laughs> huge huge vampire problem everywhere uh and Rain confesses to having heard voices in her head ever since her arrival at Brimstone, and she wakes from a nightmare later and seems to be following these voices and and finds Sebastian and seems to be attacking him, but then instead... Uh, having been stopped by him they kiss and they 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 have the sex
0: they bone uh, down yeah it's they, worth pointing at this like pointing out at this moment the breasts are revealed for our pleasure
2: they are indeed they are indeed i would like to point out that i do not think that the actor playing sebastian um the good uh, matthew davis i don't want to you know like out i didn't want to out him circa 2005 or anything but I, I do not believe he has ever had sex before prior to this moment I believe, I believe, at the time of filming, Matthew Davis might have been a virgin. And I say this because he's chasing the pussy. He's chasing it. He's not meeting it. He's chasing it. Every time she rises up, he thrusts as if following. It is the most uncoordinated sex.
0: It is the sexual equivalent of, um... The live-action Popeye movie? That dude who keeps kicking his hat when he's trying to pick it up?
2: <laughs> it's just... It's what... not a great sex scene. What um, should even be... with
0: the breast the exposed for our pleasure, it's not a great it sex scene. It should be
2: erotic. And it goes on for so long.
0: And has no meaning in the plot. They don't pursue a relationship or anything after.
2: Well, it the, never comes up again. The entire purpose of... Well... Yeah... Yeah, it's clear... Does it? It's clear that Rain and Sebastian have a bond stronger than she has with any other, you know, mortal figure.
0: I guess, it but to of, what
2: end? Um... Uh eh, Like, I I think this is another we're supposed to fill the blanks that they have fallen in love.
0: I guess so, but but in my mind, the only blanks that got filled were Uverball <laughs> wants to
2: see some tits again. Uh, well, it's... We, the thing is, is, like so much happens in the run up to meeting uh, Leonid and the breasts being exposed to our pleasure for the first time. You know, that first desperate, like, oh shit, you know what? This movie's getting confusing and dull. Uh, we need <laughs> to do something. I, I know. I know what we'll do. But they have to resort to it again so quickly. Yes. Following the training montage. That's not a good sign.
0: No, no, not <laughs> when you... When you need breasts at that rapid a pace, you've done
2: something wrong. Uh, but, yeah, there are a couple of uh, scenes just between Katarin and Sebastian that kind of hint that they have something. But, yeah, it's not, it's not expounded upon to the degree that, that this level and length of sexual intimate encounter, like, justifies. But she does come uh, out of it, you know, all aglow. Uh, and, like, you know, a schoolgirl. Um, I guess, um, because later Vlad, Sebastian, Catherine are discussing the dire food situation at Brimstone, how they're all running out of supplies. And when Rain Joys joins them, she's all, a tw- she's all a flutter. Um, and Vlad comments on how well she's assimilated into the order, uh, which she demonstrates by bringing joy to a child by threatening, uh, them with her teeth. <laughs> yep. It's much to the delight of everyone at the table, except for Catherine. This is just like too much for her. It's like, oh my god, this entire like Katarin militant... Catherine, the only one behaving like a vampire hunter. Right. This entire sort of like military style organization is falling apart at the seams because they've accepted this cheer- now cheerful vampire, or Dampier, into their ranks. And she- so she decides that Brimstone is doomed. And writes a response to her father's letter to this effect. This is at the this second... point we all remember Billy Zane's in the film, but I wish they hadn't. I wish they hadn't reminded me here. This is the one example of a blank that more than any other never should have been filled in at this point. No. No. Why are they exposing her betrayal now?
0: Ah, that's true.
2: I mean, it's, it's, it's silly. It's absolutely silly because especially since this is now immediately followed by a dueling sequence between, um, Rain and Katarin. uh, where, you know, we get a little more of Catherine's backstory about, you know, how, uh, her, she'd been trained by her father, but now he's been turned, uh, into a vampire and is an enemy of Brimstone yeah. and, uh, all of this n- n- sort of nonsense. It, they had, That scene is torturous. It is incredibly torturous. It is it is a slow... It's supposed to be... It's supposed to be a witty banter sore fight on the level of, say, Carrie Elway's and... Uh, what's this guy? Uh, um, oh. Hmm. I don't know. Princess Bride. It's uh, right. Inigo Montoya. but what's his name? Oh, it's going to torment me. Someone remind me in the comments. Um... Fuck, he's so talented. Uh, Mandy Potemkin. Uh, it's it's Carrie always Mandy Potemkin, that banter sword fight, you know, foil type witty discussion as they have a conversation. Yeah.
0: The problem is you need a good fight choreography. Yes. B good dialogue. And yes. C, chemistry between the performers. And third,
2: rapiers. Cause <laughs>
0: Let's not get into the whole rapier fencing thing again. No, no, but they, email.
2: but they, are, 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 I'm sorry, foils. They're fighting, They're doing this broad sorts.
0: They are doing it. This with is sorts,
2: not. Yeah. That is not a weapon for a fast conversation scene. No. Yeah. You know, had they right. had had they had rapiers, it would have worked. Had they had foils, it would have worked. This didn't work. It's just awful. And uh, and again, the scene would have been made a hundred times better, or at least more interesting, if there was still a question. As to where Catarine's loyalties lie. Because all through this training sequence, we are repeatedly shown shots of her looking on with uh, various states of seeming approval or disapproval. She's the wild card. Anything could happen. And they completely take the wind out of her sails for the rest of the film when it could have waited until the the point at which the characters discover it on their own. Yeah. And so they, that's a, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's it's just super, super frustrating. Uh, I think what
0: really happens here is the film needs to remind us Billy Zane's in in the film, but can't think of a way to continue his scenes without that revelation.
2: Well, I mean, we can we can set the Billy Zane uh, the next Billy Zane scene a little further back.
0: Although, I don't mean, know. We know how to fix it. <laughs> oh,
2: sorry, sorry. The film doesn't know how my, to fix my it. My bad, my bad. We are, we are not oovable. Yeah. That's that's our, that's where we're going wrong.
0: You've got to think like him, and then you understand why things are the way they are. Uh, uh, just just take a brick to your head for a couple of minutes, and you'll soon see everything fall into place.
2: <laughs> um Kagan. Receives now the Amulets of the Brimstone, Chris Rome chapter.
0: The hell is that dog? I don't know. Sorry, there's a big Alsatian in my front yard. Hmm.
2: Never expect that. No. What
0: the hell are you doing in here? Oh, no, he's running. I no. Sorry, I'm fascinated by the dog.
2: (laughs) Continue, continue. All right, okay. Um... So Kagan gets the amulets now at this point. And again, this is, like I said, this is something that should have taken like an afternoon at best, right? Like they bring him the amulet the next day. They've, you know, gone ahead and taken the time to take all of the amulets off of all the corpses of the robe chapter. And they bring them to him. like this too much time should have passed. It's just weird. Um, but, uh, Kagan gets these amulets and decides that now's the time to take out the remaining brimstone fortress, orders his thralls, and this is, uh, one of the best examples of, of simply how much Sir Ben Kingsley do not give a fuck about this, because I'm, I'm gonna read what he says in about the same, um, tone and cadence and energy that he does, um, the time has come to fulfill your oath, my loyal thrall. Scour the land, find brimstone and destroy it. Bring the damn fear to me. Leave no human alive that crosses you. The promise of eternal life awaits those that succeed. Those that fail find only death.
1: Yeah.
0: That's pretty much it. Yeah, That's I think it. You, you, you more or less nailed, nailed it. Kingsley's performance there. Reigning Award-winning, critically acclaimed actor, thespian, classically trained actor, and... Ugh. Anyone can do what he does in this film. Now, Catherine's oh, father. Bartleby's noticed the
2: dog. Uh oh. <laughs> more and more excitement in the yeah. Sterling household. We'll uh, power through it. Catherine's father, Elric, by the way, he has a name, but we're he just going to keep calling him Billy Zane. Absolutely. Um, Dormister arrives at Billy Zane's castle and threatens him to try and learn the location of Brimstone. Now. Uh, You'd think they'd have tried that sooner. Right? Because you'd think they'd know that he'd know? Like, why wouldn't they know that he'd know? I mean, clearly the vampires seem to have relationship with some of these brimstone people, and they seem to talk. How is it that they... I... Okay, so... Yeah. Uh, Billy Zane tries to convince Dormister to betray Kagan and join him, uh, thus also saving Catarine in the process. Uh, But it's no avail, because as we established, uh, if Leonid could get, you know, Dormistere on board with the orgy. You know, I guess ruling at at uh, Billy Zane's side ain't gonna ain't gonna cut it. Yeah, he's w- very loyal, is That's the deal I would have taken. I probably wouldn't have signed on with uh, with Leonid, attractive though his offer was. Yeah. Um, but I'd go with Billy Zane. I'd follow Billy Zane into the fires of hell.
0: Yes, absolutely. Anytime Billy Zane needs me, I'm not saying he ever will, but if Billy Zane, Billy, if you're listening, if you ever need me for anything,
2: you call me. We're there. The the, the, the movie boys are there for you, Billy. You can depend on us. You got a friend in me. (laughs) Uh, uh, Vlad and Katerin have yet another argument about Vlad's decisions regarding Raid. And... just to
0: keep reminding us of the film's
2: like scraps of plot Vlad insists that he and Sebastian are going to be leaving Brimstone with Rain and uh, they go visit a butcher named Ianku yep. uh, so that's cool <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: there's just some butcher dude who's, like, just good at having vampire stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's got all these... Like, when they go and it's a butcher shop, I'm thinking, oh, they're getting food. Because they're desperate for supplies. Like reason has been brought to Vlad about their, their yeah. need for food. And they're going to see a butcher who is friendly to Brimstone to acquire it. But then they go into the basement and he's also got like holy water and crossbows and black powder bombs and steaks and all of this shit for killing vampires. The, no. uh,
0: the, the food situation at Brimstone is never brought up again. Let's, no, let's, it's let's disavow ourselves of,
2: uh, it was any clearly belief. not important. No. Um, they also present blade with, uh, or rain with new, new blades. Like, much like the old ones, only sharper and shinier.
0: Yeah. Um, Again, just like her outfit. Exactly. She looks exactly the same as she did, like, 25 minutes ago. Just, like, a bit less scuffed. Right.
2: Meanwhile, back at Brimstone, Dorma Steer and the Thralls are moving into attack. Uh, and they're coming in by boat on all of these ships. Um, And when Vlad and company return to the coast they come to find one of the Brimstone boys lying on the coast there to warn them that the fortress was attacked and it's too dangerous to return. As he's dying, Vlad and Sebastian step off to the side to discuss how to move forward and Rain learns from the still-dying man that Katrin has betrayed Brimstone. This is something she keeps to herself and she gets up in the night against Sebastian's protest and why is she sleeping at night in the first place? (laughs) Like, why are they all camping at night? She's a damp here? Uh. Against Sebastian's protests, uh, she decides to go off on her own, uh, saying that she's going to find the heart and now use the two relics to defeat Kagan. Um, They decide to swap necklaces. This is one of those scenes demonstrating that they have, you know, this special relationship now. Uh, And she heads back to the fortress alone. Uh, Once there, she follows the voices in her head And uh, while narrowly escaping, uh, Domestir, who's been searching around, decides, oh, she's not here. I guess we'll go back to Kagan because obviously that must be where she's going. Um, She encounters Catarin, justifying her betrayal to the other still-living brimstone boys near an underground pond where they are searching for the relic. Um, Rain follows Catarin into the water. Uh, on Catherine's search, and they fight over the box after Catherine finds it. Uh, she stabs Rain, but Rain gets the upper hand when they surface, feeding on Catherine to feel, feed her wounds, and thus claiming the heart for herself. Yep. Now, outside Kagan's castle, Sebastian and Vlad are watching now as Rain approaches and enters by office- offering Domestir yep. the you heart. You did miss a quick
0: scene. Did I? Yeah, Billy Zane's death. Did, uh-
2: Oh, wow, I totally forgot Billy Zane dies. Yeah. I I thought he was just forgotten, like everything else. No,
0: no, it is another blink and you miss it, but he basically... uh, We never see him get attacked by Dormistit, but again, our minds are supposed to assume that's what happened. As near as I can tell, there's just a scene where we see him stumbling, stabbed, as he explains to um, Sebastian and Bloodrain the plot. And then he dies.
2: Wait. Really? I don't think that scene's in the version of the film I watched. I literally do not or remember that. Or
0: maybe I, maybe I, actually, I think, I think we confused, I think I've confused the brimstone boy who dies for Billy Zane. Yes, yes, you have.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, thank God. I was so confused and Billy terrified Zane. that I must I might have missed a Billy Zane performance. No, that wasn't him. He's off in a totally different place. Why did I think it was Billy Zane? I don't know. It's totally not him. I think you just really wanted more Billy Zane.
0: I think maybe my brain was so desperate for a resolution
2: to... To Billy Zane? Yeah. To a plot. I think he's just never seen again. I think that's it. I think he's he's never seen again. Like it's it's possible. Like it, I think the implication might be that after revealing the location of the uh, brimstone headquarters, that Domister Domister kills him. But I don't think it's ever shown or actually resolved in any way. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um. So, <laughs> let's see. Where was I? Oh yeah. Um. Uh, Why Castle. did I think that was? I funny. don't know. But uh, Rain <laughs> approaches, and, and enters and, and, and by giving. The heart to Domestir, and she's taken down to a dungeon where she's soon joined by Vlad and Sebastian, who've attacked the gates with a powder bomb and allowed themselves to be captured in a very risky move. Yeah, considering like
0: these thralls of Kagans have proven themselves willing to like cut people in half and drive swords through people's mouths, they were really banking on them being taken prisoner
2: for no reason. Yeah, there's no justification, there's no reason whatsoever that they should just kill these two people as they have killed countless other Brimstone people other than these two characters are central to the plot. That's the only only difference I can see. Yep. But uh, <clears throat> uh, they reunited with uh, with Rain in the basement, or in the dungeon, I guess you'd call it. They uh, ask what happens to Katarin, and Rain lies to Sebastian and Vlad, saying that she didn't find her, and that she must have died with honor. Uh, which I don't know why. why I don't know. I don't know why Who's she's she bothering to protect her? their feelings. I like she seemed, she's oddly emotional at weird times. Yeah, and there's she, no
0: reason. Again it's a trope in other films that you cover up <coughs> a betrayal to protect someone's nobility. Like I, She never had any nobility to begin with. Not, like, there was no reason for this but, other than to, f- again, check a, t- a tick box.
2: Well, I mean, you could argue, again, and this is you filling in the blanks, that it's sort of, it's clear that Vladimir has a lot of love and respect for everyone in his crew and treats her, has treated her like a, you know, a father figure to her, has been, been like a father figure to her since... The uh, whole thing with her dad, but still, like, I like don't it's know. not
0: like she was like some beloved hero of the resistance
2: whose legacy is important to keep Brimstone going. Maybe this is character development to show how she's becoming more human because she does care about people now. <sighs> <sighs> it's it's, it's <sighs> all it's all bad. It's all bad, no matter how you try to justify it. Um... I don't like this film. No, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, in return to for the lie, Vlad tells her about the ceremony that's about to be performed on her to remove the absorbed eye, which is going to like tear her soul out of her body. Um, Kagan's priests arrive and take Rain what away. What was from Rain's ceremony. plan here? I I, I, I get I, captured. I think she would think get the, killed. I, I think the plan was to get to a room with Kagan and kill him. I, and I and and true to her characterization throughout this film. That works. That I, I think that that has always been about the sum total of her planning strategy and capability in regards yeah. to dealing with Kagan. That works for me, narratively. I think it's stupid. It's a dumb movie. But it fits within the construct of the dumb movie that they have put together. It's a character decision I can see her making. It's sad Fair though enough. it is. Um, but while she is carried off, Um, Vlad and Sebastian decide to work on a way to get out of the dungeon And they settle on the old My friend seems to have mysteriously disappeared routine um, Where Sebastian has hidden himself along the ceiling And when the guard opens the door He drops down and attacks them Um, Michael Madsen A.K.A. Vlad Expresses the audience's thoughts aloud by saying I can't believe that worked
0: Which doesn't justify terrible writing No You can't write a terrible plan And then go I can't believe that worked because none of us do. No,
2: nobody believes it. Nobody believes it. Upstairs, Rain is bound to an altar and the ceremony is underway, but it's interrupted by the arrival of Vlad and Sebastian, who kill most of the priests. Uh, yeah. Kagan opens up the box, which should contain the heart, and discovers that it's empty, suggesting that Rain has already absorbed it as well. Somehow. Somehow. We don't know. How? Because
0: Dormistar, or whatever he's fucking called, Dormammu, looks in the box and, and verifies it's, there. it's in there.
2: Right. Before taking it off her. Right. And and Kagan has opened it and verified its existence as well already. So. And blood and rain's tied up at the time. I don't know. I, I can't know. even
0: mentally Maybe. fill in the blanks. Hang to get oh, oh from hang on. That I, point. I got it.
2: I know it. I know what happened. I figured it out. She absorbed the heart when she was uh, lying to Vlad and Sebastian uh, about. Uh, about catering By protecting their feelings She demonstrated Her having a heart And absorbed it From a great distance From within the box See <laughs> Sure <laughs> Sure
0: I mean to be honest I feel I feel like it would have Made more sense If she'd have just stuck Like a pig's heart In there or something That would have And then he's like You know Trying to do ceremony stuff With it And he's like This is a pig and then she's like, huh, already absorbed it, fool. Like, that would have been easier, I think, than just
2: and us having to come up with what you just came up with. And rather than just quickly killing blood rain or killing rain and being done with it, Kagan just sort of, like, picks up his sword and backs away. Yep. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. And he's not seen again for a while, oddly, in in amongst all of this combat. But Sebastian comes... And uh, cuts rain free, and more really awful, stilted, painful, not rehearsed enough combat continues.
0: Yeah, not enough techno to cover it up. No!
2: None whatsoever. No techno. It's a disaster. And, uh, let's see, uh, limbs and heads are severed, people are stabbed, blood flows in its sweet cascade. Uh, Kagan nonchalantly stabs Vlad in the chest. Dormisteer kneels and impales Sebastian from behind. Sebastian uses his sword to cut off Dormisteer's head by holding the Which blade with hilarious. his Which is hilarious. So funny. More,
0: more high blood pressure antics as just,
2: just comedy blood sprays everywhere. So this just really leaves Rain and Kagan for the final confrontation. And yep. uh, she gets a few good licks in, but eventually Kagan overpowers her. And a nearly dead Sebastian throws a bottle of holy water at Kagan, who catches it and then fires his crossbow at the bottle, which breaks it, spilling water over Kagan and wounding him. Uh, This, I guess, was necessary to distract him temporarily and prevent him from killing Rain, but then he fires another crossbow, and Kagan just instantly catches that as well. I don't know what their expectations are here, but (laughs) Rain then turns the uh, crossbow bolt uh, around on Kagan and uses it to plunge into his chest and kill him. Um... Rain goes to Sebastian's about to turn him into a vampire to prevent his death, but Sebastian stops him, stops her in what's supposed to be, I guess, a tender moment, demonstrating you know, the power of their love and so forth. And yeah. then she stands up and slowly crosses the hall filled with dead people and vampires, and sits on Kagan's throne to stare into the middle distance as the credits start.
0: Well, they don't the credits don't start. maybe I did get an extended scene here. did you? Okay Maybe what did you because get? what I got... And this is the bit I was saving when I was talking about the rubber-faced monk. Ah! You get a flashback of all the violence from the film.
2: Yeah, I did. Didn't you not see get that. this? I didn't see. Okay.
0: that. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll take over for this bit, because um, it's incredible. You get a flashback to all of the gory bits of the film for no reason. In slow motion.
2: This is this is the House of the Dead thing again.
0: Yeah But the best thing about it is it's all in slow motion Demonstrating how fake everything is Oh god Like as you see like body parts flop off of each other And the mace going into the head of the deformed monk And the monk's whole rubbery head bouncing And the mace bouncing Like it looks so fucking fake And it goes on for ages (laughs) I'm talking Well, there was a lot of gore ages. in the film. They got to show it all. That's going to take some And they some did. Time. They show almost all of the gore over again in slow motion. And then there's Christina Locken on the chair doing what is, what I think is supposed to be a smile. Oh
2: my God. Almost
0: implying that, oh, there's this darkness going on. Then she's on a horse and then credits roll. Oh
2: my God. Yeah, you saw something I didn't. I just saw credits and I'm not sure what's worse. But that's Blood rain. That's Blood rain. <laughs> Mr. Conrad, did you like Blood Rain or not? Here's the thing. I know it's probably the high mark for the series. We got two more of these to get. Through. We have
0: got two more. Uh, I've seen Blood Rain too, and without giving too much away, I'll say it's at least got a more entertaining antagonist.
2: Okay. I mean, it's hard um, yeah. not to have a more entertaining antagonist than Kagan.
0: Yes, yes, that is true. Ben Kingsley has no personality in the film. None. Like, you can't even say he is, like... Like, even by aloof vampire standards, he's got nothing. Yeah. He's just this cipher. He's just this idea of an antagonist. And, you know... And the film keeps reminding us he raped Bloodrains mother because, obviously, rape is, you know, a terrible fucking thing. Of course. And it's relying on that... To give us a villain, it's some of the laziest. Like people often criticize uh, rape as a storytelling device, mm-hmm. um, and there's there's a lot of good criticism. Yeah, for there's merit
2: that. for that criticism, sure.
0: And I think this film single-handedly justifies all of that criticism. It, ma- it makes the
2: case for the whole thing, huh?
0: Yeah, and I mean it is the, at least from what I've seen the laziest example of of rapist's storytelling device I've seen, because it's the stand-in for an entire character.
2: First of all, it's hard to, um, I guess, I have difficulty squaring the amount of energy that uh, he demonstrates in the film, like the amount of activity, and, and, uh, I mean, he's kind of laconic throughout the whole thing. It's hard to imagine him raping anyone. What's that like? That's. I mean, it's hard to imagine him doing anything. Yeah, like anything. He just sit. He just sits there. I, I, you know, I, like I said earlier, I I wanted to think that it was you know, <coughs> I wanted to think it was because he was above it all, but he was so disinterested in the film, and rightly so, that. He couldn't even put forth the small amount of energy to necessary to express how above it all he as an actor was. Yeah, uh, yeah. If and, just, and it's a real problem. If he had just allowed that to bleed through, it would have been... But he couldn't even do that. Because um, I,
0: I think when you're criticizing... We talked about this with uh, Raul Julia in uh, Street Fighter. It's easy to confuse a good actor in a bad movie with a bad actor. A lot of people will just say, oh, Raul Julie was terrible in Street Fighter because Street Fighter was a terrible film. And they don't think that, no, he actually did an incredible job in that film. Whereas in this, no, Ben Kingsley's performance, yes. not just the writing, not just the directing, all of which was awful, but Ben Kingsley's performance was fucking
2: dreadful. Yeah, it's not... Dreadful. It's, it is not one of those circumstances where you can say, you know, they did the best with what they had. It's not that we don't know Ben Kingsley. Doesn't have acting talent, he does. I don't think he's a immense. I don't think he's the immensely talented uh, actor his legend would suggest. Uh, he's exceptionally good in Gandhi. He's not bad in House and Sand and Fog, uh, but you know he's not. I don't think he's a tremendous talent or anything. Well, I think
0: a tremendous talent. I think what would the true test. In my opinion, of tremendous talent is what Raul, Hul- uh, Raul Julia did in Street Fighter, is to be given a bad script, mm-hmm. be given shitty, you know, direction or whatever, and still own it, and yeah. do what in in Blood Rain alone, and the, you know, this might upset some people, and that's not my intention. I'm not trolling when I say this. Billy Zane proved himself the better performer, maybe not the most adept classically trained actor maybe not a better thespian than ben kingsley on a good day but the the better performer the better showman
2: the guy who shows up and does the job and does the job to the best of his ability yes in spite of everything around him
0: yes an actor who can bury whatever contempt they may have for what they're doing is infinitely better than someone like Ben Kingsley, who, when they're on, they're great, but when they can't give a fuck, it's so apparent. And I, I think that's not the mark of a, of a truly great performer that Ben Kingsley allowed his contempt and, and disregard for the film to shine through so strongly.
2: And it's not like you can't sympathise, because it is shit. But, but Ben Kingsley plays a really big part in making it shit.
0: He does. He does. He contributes greatly to making it shit, and I refuse to believe he needed a paycheck that badly.
2: Yeah, I can't. I I can't. You
0: know, like we can sympathize with him being in a shit film, but like he signed the contract. Yeah, he knew what he was getting into, and he he literally did not care.
2: Meanwhile, Michael Madsen. While I don't, he's real hit and miss with me. I love him in Reservoir Dogs. Obviously, uh, there are a few other films I've seen where I. Enjoy he's great him.
0: in uh, Kill Bill as well. Like him, him and he works well in a Tarantino. He does film. work
2: well with Tarantino. Um, in this, he's fine. Like he's he's
0: okay. I, I get the sense not as bad as Kingsley, but he does phone it in.
2: He's but he's playing you know sort of the Mad Mardican, uh style, Val Kilmer in in Willow role, uh, and that works pretty well for him. And and he's. He, he can convey that he cares about you know the people in this community or whatever. He's at
0: least got some inflection
2: yeah. in his dialogue. Well, and he's got some 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 uh, some he's he's facially expressive. Uh, in, in in that's not something I typically expect of Madsen. Uh, I sort of see him doing the straight, you know, or a little cocky or ironic, but there's a bit of heart to is that he brings to the performance of this which undeservedly maybe uh but but it's there and you can see it and it's kind of interesting he has a little nuance to his performance Um, meatloaf's whole thing is the entire reason to watch this movie
0: yes i mean just watch his scene on youtube you've seen blood rain yeah you've seen all that matters um, you know, if you're feeling a bit frisky and you've got nothing to do, throw on Billy Zane scenes as well. Oh, again, yeah, Billy yeah. Zane, well, that's
2: that's where the... He cares. That, that's where the wank material is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's... The, they... It's the only time in the film where I feel like everybody involved at that time gave a damn about what was being done. Yeah. Uh, the The bloodletting sequences and the sort of set design of Leonid's mausoleum joint, that's a vampire movie. That's that's taking some interesting vampiric conventions and doing something a little creative and uh and and still getting your gore quotient in, still getting your sex quotient in. Like it, it's that bit worked. If the whole film had just been that bit, as I said earlier, I think we'd have been fine. Yeah, yeah. But uh you know It wasn't no it wasn't. It wasn't and this, there's, there's yeah. There's two more of these.
0: Christina Locum was kind of a kind of a non-entity for the title character. She was very there.
2: Yeah, yeah, she was very there. Uh
0: and, and not She was given she certainly doesn't have Reign's personality from the games. Well, it was
2: it was one of those Well, she's very for, sort of flirty in the games, right?
0: Very yeah, very um kind of got that kind of sleazy smutty kind of persona going for
2: her. Right. And and I guess is this are they trying to present this? Uh, no, no, they can't. Uh, I was gonna say, is this like prequel stuff because of you know how much earlier than it is the events of the Blood Rain games? Well, but...
0: bear in mind that the the Blood Rain Three is actually set in World War Two. Mm. So it, uh, we do they actually do get, get to yes, that's the right. Nazis, yeah. Uh, but we've got to get through medieval Europe and the Wild West. Oh, God. Uh, that's Blood Rain Two. No, cowboys. Oh no. yeah. Oh yeah. No. no. Oh, yeah. no. 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 And if, from what I remember, she doesn't have a personality in that film either. Different um, actress she, though. She she's just there to be, I guess, the pro- the propulsion of events. Mm. That's what she's there you for. What, Michelle I, Rodriguez may as well have not been in the film.
2: I don't mind that though. I mean that that kind of thing worked for Bad Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah. Right. I I mean I know that was a good film U- though. Uwe Bowl is not George Miller. That's <laughs> no, never going to no. happen here. But I, that technique can work. There's not. It's not like that's impossible.
0: Oh yeah, and I'm not blaming Christina Loken either. Mm. Um, she well, I get the sense she's... unlike with Ben Kingsley, she was doing what she was directed to do.
2: And and I well I don't know, I'm not familiar with anything else she's ever been in. I get the impression that she was hired because she physically resembled the character as the top priority.
0: Yeah, to be fair, the only thing I've seen her in as well is Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, as the bad robot.
2: Oh, oh, okay, all right. She was the, the, the team, T. And whatever. again, no acting required
0: No, that. not really.
2: So, uh, yeah, I, I I really think that that's why she was hired, was to, to sort of... She's
0: a good physical actor. I mean, she, you know, she... Um, well, as, as... As, again, Terminator, Rise of the Machines is not a... I, I don't like that film at all, but she was mm-hmm. very solid at that role of the antagonist.
2: See, I just got like a physical
0: that. presence and she she does well
2: with it. I do like Rise of the Machines. It is a it's a dumb, dumb, dumb movie, but all the Terminator movies are dumb, dumb, dumb movies. So um, I was kind of okay with that, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: I do like her. I did like her. Now that I, I sort of reflect back. But there
0: you go. Like she ain't bad.
2: No, she's not bad, but it's the when she's doing the gymnasty stuff, the stuff that's just her, she seems to be doing fine yeah Uh, the combat sequences those are where at any time she's physically engaging with someone as opposed to just avoiding them it it doesn't seem to work um that seems and and that goes for all the physical engagement she she has that i think that goes for all
0: the all the physical engagements in the film i don't know if we can blame her for that Mm. because like like i say all the fight scenes are terrible
2: that fucking scene though
0: I can't no, get over that. The sex scene
2: is not good at all. That is, no. it, it reminds me of the uh, the sex scene in Showgirls. In the in the in the, the pool. Oh, the pool sex scene. Yeah, yes, that's yes. what it reminds me. It's not so over the top as that, obviously. No. And the more as as more time passes on Showgirls, the more I think it was ironic to begin with.
0: I love Showgirls. I do too. I think it's I love Showgirls.
2: Fantastic, fun to watch. But uh,
0: the sex scenes from the room are a good example. Tommy waso like humping that girl's belly, that poor girl's belly button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's about that level of like that, that's not really how sex should work. No, and and I feel sad looking at this. And my penis is sad.
2: Uh, yeah, but, and it's, such you, it's such a shame because she has the probably the perkiest nipples I think I've ever seen. Is that something you
0: noticed? I did when, notice when, that. When, when,
2: when the breasts
0: were
1: exposed to your pleasure. Brothers, yes.
2: they, they, well, and, and it's not, look, it's not every uh Schlockabee film that you get full on, like, I'm going to wrap my tongue around this nipple seductively. It's, it's really. The <laughs> film would have been better with that in it. Um, I'll tell you
0: what My the biggest problem I have with this film, though. Okay. The biggest problem. And it, it dawned on me when when Rain... There's a scene of dialogue in the prison, when they're all jailed up, where Rain is saying, like, she's not so deluded. I'm paraphrasing, this isn't the dialogue, but it's like, I'm not so deluded, I'm not so stupid or whatever, to think I can prevail against Kagan. But I will
2: keep fighting. I do, yes, yes. The scene where they're in the dungeon. and Yeah. It's and her she does rallying, speech thing, yeah. And it
0: rallies, and, you know, Mazden and, and the other one... Uh, stand up And this rousing music plays And it's out of place Because it's not like anything else in the soundtrack It's this kind of like Disney level rousing music Of the heroes are getting their hope back And I sat And I saw this And I, I it all fell into place And I thought This is a kids film <laughs> That's the problem with Blood Rain You look at the actual plot If you take out The blood and the tits. It's the plot of a kids' movie. (laughs) Evil daddy killed the parent. Um, You know, girl brought up from nothing to become this hero, rallying with her friends. Who at one point, fucking Mazden comes down a curtain with a knife through it, like in a fucking old medieval kids' film. It's a kids' movie. The plot is so banal and child-friendly, and the dialogue is as well, for the most part. And yet, because it's not a kid's film, it compensates with all the blood and the tits. There's,
2: there is there is. subplot. It's two distinct, disparate things that don't work together. The subplot with uh, Billy Zane and all of that, that has some potential. Uh, if it had been managed correctly... i, I That would have been a better film. It would have been a better film. Um, but you know, I think that it had had the film not chosen to expose Katerin and let them have their awkward duel and discussion and character exposition, uh, let that happen, Um, and have the... uh, The note needs to be sent so that Dormsteer can throw it in... in Billy Zane's face, I guess? It's not necessary. It's just... If that if that subplot had been handled with any sort of care uh, it could have elevated it out of total kids movie territory yeah. but it just sits there like the you know last it's just filling up the running time It's yeah and and, and, it, and it's it's like the bit of gristle on the meat that's how it's treated even though it has the potential to be the most interesting aspect of the story it's just sort of there to be there and add to yep. the weight, and that's it. And that, So that's, I think that's what drives me the most crazy about it, is that there's an opportunity here for this to not suck as badly as it did, and it seems so obvious, and it, it didn't go that way. No. It was terrible. It was bad, it was bad. It's a bad film. And the worst it's a part bad, is, bad the worst part is about 10, 15 minutes into watching it, I realized that I'd seen the movie before. <laughs> Not even that long ago. Like, a couple of years ago. Within the last couple of years, I'd watched Blood Rain. Yeah.
0: Man. Uh, It's been a a while for me. I think I I watched it... God, about 2006, 2007. Something like that. And this was the first time I've seen it since then. I
2: think it had been on Netflix for a while or something. And now no longer is.
0: It wouldn't surprise me. I know that Blood Rain 2 was on Netflix for a bit. Because I watched it. Mm. I shouldn't have. We're going to have to watch it again sometime. But not next time. No. Not next time. Next time, we have... um, an interesting film. This is not going to be a, a licensed film. It's not licensed from an existing game, but it does have game roots and game characters in it. And we thought we'd do this one so that when we do films like this in future, people don't think they've run out of ideas. That was Conrad's pitch <laughs> yeah. uh, when he suggested we do this one. Um, if we do it now, well, we've still got things like Mario uh, and and Double Dragon and stuff to go. Then you know we're doing it by choice, not desperation. Uh, so we're going to do... Wreck-It Ralph. I'm
2: excited about this. Something uh, current. You know, really, really, just in yeah. the last few years.
0: Well, people have asked if we're going to start doing new ones as and when they come out. And I'm not too sure yet.
2: I think probably yes. I, I think it might you know, it might be difficult to do them as they come out. But certainly yeah, once but they soon. release to, to home video, yeah, I think that they're going to that definitely at be At some point game. soon after. Yeah. I
0: mean, I'd like to do the Ratchet & Clank movie when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, Assassin's Creed we can look at.
2: Warcraft is right going to be right up our alleys, I think. I, yeah, I think it's going to fit captured. well into the menu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah, this is um, I think the most contemporary one f- so far. Yeah. Uh, and it is a little different because it's not based on an existing game so much as it is, you know, a, a game about video game film. Yeah. Yeah, it's a film about games in general. Uh, and you know, I watched it when it came out, and I did enjoy it.
2: I have yet to and see it, so that, it'll be a fun experience for me. I'm looking forward to it.
0: It'll be, it'll be different than blood rain.
2: Oh, yes. I, I, yeah. I highly anticipate that, yeah. That... Yeah,
0: it'll be a different experience.
2: So what are we watching?
0: Did you have an actual
2: Yeah, Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, Wreck-It Ralph! I already said. Did you? Yeah. I didn't hear you say it before. That's
0: what the past conversation was about. Are you, are
2: you sure? I, did, I, didn't procure, I, I didn't actually hear you say the name.
0: No, I said it. Are, okay, I believe you. Yeah, I mean... We're even now, after my Billy Zane fuck up <laughs> earlier. We are even now.
2: Well, I'd rather not pay attention to you than not pay attention to Billy Zane. That's all I'm saying. That's
0: true. I take I take
2: that on the chin. Billy, call uh, call us if you need anything. Billy, come on. Billzo. Bilbo. <laughs> Give us a
0: call. Um, we we yes. have we
2: have uh, three quarters of a million new people listening to this now, so <laughs> that's gotta be a mistake. I don't be. know if,
0: if any of you listeners are aware, but uh I'm. I'm expecting it to be fixed at any moment. Any day, I keep refreshing, thinking that
2: that it's going to be God and that it's got up by another thousand. I'm like, what?
0: I saw the the view count because I always expect a decimal. So I saw what I thought was eighty three point three thousand, and I thought that's that's pretty
2: good. That's 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 like that's double what we normally get. That's the that would have that would at that point have been the most listened to thing on your feed.
0: Yes. And then we looked at the SoundCloud feed. I looked closer after uh, Conrad was talking about it some more and realized it was 833,000 listens, not downloads. Listens, listens. yes. Makes no sense to me. A lot of them were in one day, and the downloads... By by a
2: lot, he means like 780,000 of them, give or take. So something's off,
0: (laughs) and I don't know why or what. I can't work it out. I can't work out where they have come from welcome to all the new people yeah if if you are listening (laughs) if um, you're one of the the new ones if you've not been made up or whatever like well done and 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 you're very welcome and and how did you find this someone tell us (laughs) were you just like as someone suggested were you just looking for mortal kombat music remixes (laughs) all of you on one day i don't know but uh thank you Thank you for those who are listening. Yes, thank you. Yeah, the the fraction who are real listeners. It's still a lot. It's still uh, uh it's pretty success- more successful the spin-off doctors than I thought it would it's, be. It's
2: it's uh, more people listen to this than I think anything I've ever podcasted before.
0: And there you go. So, it's it's Yeah. It's it's up there. I mean, it's 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 doing really well. Like, it's going toe-for-toe toe with Podquisition, which I didn't expect. I didn't either. But I'm really pleased with it. And, yeah, I'm just thrilled with how it's going. And if you want to listen to more of us, uh, we do a weekly podcast called Fist Shark Marketing. Uh, you can see that at fistshark.com, and you can subscribe to that to iTunes. It's an improvised comedy podcast that we do with our uh, colleague Paul Sincere. And you can also see Conrad Zimmerman, at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter, and his YouTube channel. You're still doing them videos. I am
2: still doing and, and making. Pretty good progress, actually. I finally cleared, got one of the true endings in Enter the Gungeon. So that's, that's been fun, yeah. And uh, I have a couple other th- video things that uh, I played Steven's Sausage Roll. I might make a video of that. I saw that I you played get... that. I, I tried
0: to do a video of it and I'm like, nope, that's not going to be fun.
2: I think my video will be very short and I think it will be edited severely to do because it's a lot of uh, just staring. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. a fascinating game, I will give it that. So, anyway, yes. It's
0: clever, I just, I'll just i never get past stage one. <laughs> yes, uh, thank you for listening to the spin off Doctors. Uh, this has been Conrad and Jim doing Blood Rain for you. We'll be back next time with Racket Ralph. Uh, that will be in two weeks' time for our Fortnite uh, posting. Hope to see you there, and hope you enjoyed this, and I hope you enjoy the next time. And I hope you'll enjoy Racket Ralph because we're actually giving you a good movie to watch Yay! this time. So, hooray! And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.